New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You too can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support. Hello, I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Today I'm hosting Dr. Anodea Judith. She's the author of The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage, From the Love of Power to the Power of Love. Anodea, welcome to the New Dimensions Cafe. Hello, Justine. Delighted to be here. I'm delighted to have you. We, as you point out, we are going through... Humanity is going through a huge initiation. What is that about? Well, I think as we look at the things coming down on the planet, global warming and financial crisis and terrorism and weather-related catastrophes and all of these things, we have to see them not just as tragedies, which they are, but as initiating factors that are trying to get humanity to grow up and become more mature, more generative, more cooperative, more peaceful. And they are the perfect evolutionary drivers, as Barbara Marks Hubbard would say. They're the perfect problems to make us grow up in a certain way and make us cooperate because we can't solve these things on our own. So where are we in our whole evolution right now? If we were to compare it with growing up as an individual, where are we right now? Well, I see that we are at our late adolescence. We've just gone through the huge growth spurt of adolescence. We've been very narcissistic. We've had mom and dad provide everything, including the laws and the rules and the food and the structures. They've provided everything to us. Um, We have thought we could procreate and we've continued to grow and now we're finding that growth is starting to stop. We have to control population. That's part of emerging into our adulthood. It's part of growing up. And we have a very immature society right now that is just about what can you get and here it is for the moment and it's very adolescent in many ways. So these crises are going to force a growing up. But, you know, who wants to remain a teenager? Was that a fun You know, looking back, I can't think of any adult that said that was the most fun part of my life. (laughs) You know, we look back and we go, I'm glad I'm not in that anymore. Well, there were good things about it. There were a lot of good things. It was was an exciting time. Oh, it's very Uh, exciting, yeah. uh, but it it couldn't sustain itself, could it? And there no. were there were there were a lot of things that that we probably regret that we did in our teenage years. And we I remember the popularity contests and the factions of different things in school and I remember the heartbreaks because we didn't know how to make relationship and not knowing who we were and the rebellion against authority. All of that is going on right well, that's now. It's true. part of the growing up process. Right. So you're you're thinking that we're possibly on the cusp of leaving this adolescence and becoming an adult. Young adults. Uh, young, young adults. So what's that going to look like? Well, I say that evolution is the God's way of making more gods. And so becoming an adult means actually claiming our divine status. 
Now, if you look at humanity today, we have the power of gods, the power to change the gene pool, the power to blow ourselves up with nuclear weapons. Um, you know, we, we have power on, you know, on a planetary scale, which is godlike. Do we have the wisdom to go with that power? That's part of what the initiation gives you, is the wisdom. Teenagers have a lot of power. They have tremendous energy, and they can drive the car on a Saturday night. Um, do they have the wisdom to know not to drive drunk? You know, that's the, what the initiation is for. So I think it's to realize our power on a planetary scale, godlike power, but to have it tempered with wisdom. That's what it is to become divine. And the initiatory challenge in its simplest form is can we create a miracle? Because it's going to take a miracle to turn things around on this planet. And I personally believe a miracle is brewing and a miracle is possible and a miracle will happen. What would that miracle look like? People seeing the extent of the damage that it gets bad enough that we put aside our petty differences and work together. Even in the economy, Lester Brown says we could fix everything that's wrong on this planet for about $200 billion. That is a fraction of what we spent on the Iraq war, for example. Um, Europeans alone spend $30 billion a year on perfume. You know, uh, we spend oh my that much. <laughs> dropping. <laughs> you know, what do we spend on Starbucks or ice cream or, you know, these, I mean, the money is there. It's just, if something becomes important enough, we will channel it. And that's part of it. And then we'll see, oh, there's a miraculous power that comes when we can work together. Now, there, there are those who have pointed out that, you know, we say, okay, when we really see it, what's happening, when, when the big thing happens and we all get it, there are big things happening all the time and we're not getting it. I mean, we're, we're facing crisis after crisis. So it's not a matter that, that the crisis isn't there for us to see well, I wouldn't say that we're not getting it. I would say many, many people are getting it. I would say the powers, that, that the people that hold the power and the structures don't seem to be getting it because the new or order is not going to come through that structure. It's going to come through a different structure. It's going to come through the organization of the people. And ind indeed it is. We are getting it that we need green technologies. And there's you know, many, many companies that are being formed as we speak to create solar and alternative vehicles and things like that. So there's a sense where we are getting it. Um, there's a book I talk about, A Paradise Built in Hell by Rebecca Solnit. And she looked at places in which catastrophe had occurred, like New Orleans during the flood, Mexico when it had its big earthquake, even San Francisco earthquake back in 1906, 9-11, uh, Haiti, you know, where disasters have happened. And she went in and interviewed the people afterwards, and even where she could do it, you know, currently. And she found in every case, there was a reorganization that happened, where people put down their boundaries, they rolled up their sleeves, they pooled their resources, they said, how can we help out? And they found a kind of joy. There was one pastor, he said, I've never been closer to God than I was working in this soup line and actually meeting my people. You know, this is where, and people were finding something they'd never found. There was a letter from a woman in Japan after the Fukushima went, and she said, 
I can see the stars now. People are leaving water on my porch. We're hanging out and talking to each other. There is something that occurs when these old divisions uh, fall away. So how how do we, in that, we start to cooperate, we start to help each other, we roll up our sleeves, we do that, and and then we go back into the old way of yeah. where we're living our isolated lives. So how how can we get that to cohere to to the to use the momentum of that to continue it? Yeah, so the old habits die hard and I think we found that when feminism came around and we were waking up and then we'd get back into our relationships and we'd fall into the same old old patterns. You know, it takes a certain vigilance, but I think that ultimately following the heart to continually say, what brings me more joy, more spaciousness, more consciousness, more connection, more coherence, more harmony? And the heart knows. The heart has a reason. The heart has an intelligence. In fact, that's what the Institute of Heart Math has found, that the heart actually has an intelligence that even knows the future. I'm thinking, too, if... If we've gone through a disaster, let's say Katrina, and we're in New Orleans, and, and we've gone through that, and we've, we've helped each other, and now our lives are kind of going back into the old pattern, I don't think it's ever quite the same. We've, been, we've opened some door, cracked a door somewhat. Yes, and it isn't ever quite the same. And she talks about how in Mexico, when they had the great earthquake, that is how they toppled the uh, existing very oppressive government. And that did not come back. They reorganized amongst themselves. And it's very interesting. Right now we have a government shutdown, and there's a lot of things that can't happen. If this continues, people are going to take things into their own hands. Well, there, there already. It's it. You can feel some sort of shift in the way that people are viewing things. They're starting to inform themselves a little differently. They're not just accepting, oh, because somebody's saying this that this is the way things are. They're starting to open up to looking at what is going on. They're starting to question it. That's part of the great growing up. You know, a child doesn't question what they're told. But as we become adolescents and adults, we start to question, what have we been taught? And does that work? And is that true? And is that what I believe? And is that what I want to live by? That's what an adult does. And so the culture is gaining the capacity to question. We can question our doctors by going online and researching a particular illness. We can question our politicians by actually looking at the bill that they're passing that is printed on, on, online. Um, we can question and and communicate and talk and, and take these ideas out. Even the ideas that are, you know, they're slow to progress, gay marriage, for example. You know, we saw it come up again and again in California. And at first it didn't pass at all. And then it got close, but it failed. And then we had gay marriage for a little while and people got married and then they took it away. And then, you know, so it's been, the, but each time it has been discussed more and more, people talk about it. And so as they talk about it, 
that those ideas mature in the collective. And finally, when they've reached that place where people have more awareness, they hear gays interviewed on the radio, and they understand that they're people that have relationships just like anybody else, that discussion, each time it failed, brought more awareness. And finally, the awareness was there. And now it's starting to pass. And I think it's 14 states now. Right. And I think also in, let's say, that issue, the kids growing up, and they've gone through middle school, and now they're in high school. And it's like they look at the the whole idea of it and saying, "What's the problem?" I mean, they're they're living with with gay uh, classmates, and it's like, "What's the problem?" They they're they're not they're looking at it so differently than so differently. When I lecture to younger people and I talk about you know this masculine and feminine dance, and you know they kind of look at me and, and racism and you know. Well, we're not, we, we don't see it that way. That's like, they, did, they grew up in an era when women had more rights. They don't realize that it wasn't that long ago we couldn't vote less than 100 years or we couldn't have our own bank account or a woman didn't dare leave her abusive husband because she couldn't get a job and support her children. I mean, that's not the world, well, we do live in that world some places today that are still yes. incredibly sexist and, and oppressive. But, you know, our, our modern culture is evolving past that. And that means we've really progressed. We have progressed. And tell me, you, in your book, the title is Global Heart Awakens. So let's talk about what, what is that heart Awakening. What does that mean? It's a new organizing principle that allows for more spaciousness, joy, light, heaven, in a sense. If we're moving up the chakra system, we're moving toward higher consciousness. But let me just, you know, a simple example would be if we took the money we were spending on the military, the huge bloated military budget, and that were spent on schools, health care, research, um, environment, we would have a completely different world. If we took the money we're spending to build a wall between the U.S. and Mexico, and we took that money and we gave it to Mexico to put into their schools and to put into their you know, law enforcement for their drug problem, if we put it into their infrastructure, we wouldn't have to put a wall trying to keep people from, you know, coming into this country to work for horrible wages and live in sub, substandard conditions, you know, to send money home, you know? It, it, it's just, if we had gone to Afghanistan, there was a thing, bomb them with bread. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if we, if we were, this is the generative economy. Right. It's actually cheaper. <laughs> it's actually cheaper. Yeah. It's cheaper. I mean, if anybody really researched the military budget and looked at how out of proportion it is, I remember being with um, someone, uh, the Ben and Jerry, one, I, I can't remember his name, Ben Cohen, was it? No, I'm not sure. Uh, he... He he did he did a he showed the the different ways that we spend money in the U.S. economy, and then he he walked across the stage with the different you know education health so forth, and then he said and now here's the military and then he walked across the stage, and then he left the stage and then he walked down the aisle and he walked and walked and walked and walked, I mean walked practically around the auditorium. I mean, that's, and when you see it visually, you get it that it's so out of proportion to what is 
generating life and sustainability and 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 love and connectedness and and when uh, years ago when Dennis Kucinich was proposing a Department of Peace, they said that was pork barrel. They couldn't possibly <laughs> afford it. <laughs> You know, the military machine, it's so expensive, and it's just for destruction. I mean, the idea is that it's defense. But, you know, when if we look at our culture and we look at what we've been through, any, any human that has been through trauma becomes very defended, you know, and we have been traumatized by our past wars. And so that defense is a very, it's a very lower part of the brain, in a sense. And so are we by nature violent? Are we by nature warlike? I don't believe we are. I believe it's a stage. If you saw a young child hitting his friend, you don't necessarily assume that child will be violent all his life. You say, oh, he's going to grow out of it. And you tell him, don't do that. (laughs) But eventually we do mature and grow out of it. I think humanity will mature out of this. And we might see it in our lifetime. We might not. But we need to work for that future anyway. Absolutely. And that's the point you make in the book, that we need to do it anyway, even if we're not going to see it. Yeah. I mean, if they could do it building Stonehenge, we can do it today. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Anandaya, thank you so much for being with us today in the New Dimensions Cafe. I've been speaking with Dr. Anodea Judith. She's the author of The Global Heart Awakens, Humanity's Rite of Passage, From the Love of Power to the Power of Love. And if you'd like to know more about her work, you can go to her website, sacredcenters.com, sacredcenters, C-E-N-T-E-R-S.com. Or you can get there through the New Dimensions website, newdimensions.org. I'm Justine Willis-Toms. Thank you so much for joining us on the New Dimensions Cafe, and I invite you to please join us again. You've been listening to the New Dimensions Cafe. This series of shorter interviews features many of the remarkable guests also featured on our internationally syndicated one-hour New Dimensions radio series. To access more than a 1,000 hours of programs, to subscribe to our newsletters, or to become a member, please visit us at newdimensions.org. New Dimensions Radio has been making a difference on our planet since 1973, thanks to the generosity of our listeners. You, too, can help make a difference with a tax-deductible donation or membership. Please visit our website, newdimensions.org, and just click the Donate button. We at New Dimensions thank you for your support.